Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, we have a guest speaker here to share with us an encouraging message about Jesus. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Thank you. 
like to say, you know, uh, I'm going to be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible translation. It's a translation that I've grown very fond of. So it might read a little bit differently than maybe some of the more common ones that you might be using. I always been a New King James Version guy myself, but you have to be since I've been pastoring. And, uh, and I just, again, I, I'm really gravitating towards this. I like it. So I find something I don't like. It, you know, but at this point, I really like it. It seems to be good. So if you go to Psalm 22, verse 1, it says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and by, from my words of groaning? My God, I cry out, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. Now, most of you, I believe the majority of Christians who might be tuning in and listening to this, you might be very familiar with these, but it might have been something that you, again, heard in a different translation, like perhaps the New King James Version. In Psalm 22.1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, maybe you don't have this song memorized, but you probably are thinking, well, I know who else said that himself. And that is the Lord, Jesus Christ. As Christians, we know that this is the very moment when he said those words, when the Father's wrath was being poured out upon him for all of our sins. It was the only time in all of eternity when Jesus was ever separated from the Father. That's why he repeated these same words that David had said really prophetically hundreds of years before the time Jesus spoke those words upon the cross. But because we know this, we know that Jesus said this, we, when we think of, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We immediately, our mind goes right to Jesus. Which, that's a good thing, right? That's something that we should be thinking of. That's the ultimate source of what it was pointing to. But sometimes we fail to remember that this actually was written by a man named David hundreds of years before, and there was something very real going on in his life, something very devastating that was going on in his life, something that he was, he was writing these words as he was trying to express his heart. Now, we don't know exactly what was going on in this life. We don't know what was the exact circumstance that was happening at that moment. But what we do know is what was really What we do know is something was really wrong. And he decided to write a song during that time. He decided to put it into the words of poetry. He decided that, that he was going to pour out his heart and put it into music. And it's going to be something that the Lord heard in his heart to really a great, painful time in his life. And I don't know if you've ever noticed that uh, when it comes to some of our favorite songs or our favorite worship songs or whatever it is. Oftentimes, God uses music that brings such comfort in our lives for our own hearts. He brings that through the suffering of other people. Things that they have gone through that is devastating. Some heartbreaking experience that they themselves had gone through at one time or another. Then the Lord transforms that situation. He makes a beautiful song out of it, and then we we receive the blessing of it because we see it and we identify it with it. It looks like that. The Lord really ministers to my heart, whether it's the loss of a loved one or it's some trial or difficulty that we're going through. 
person who is writing that song, God uses that and packages love for us and then makes something beautiful out of it that soothes our soul when we go through something. Psalm 22 is one of those songs. Psalm 22 is one of those songs where there was deep pain and suffering and hardship and devastation that was happening in someone's life that God used it to write this beautiful song. And like I said, although we don't know exactly what the cause was of these really beautifully heartbreaking lyrics, one thing is clear. Whatever was the cause of it at that very moment, I know this. David felt abandoned by God. And he felt that he was abandoned by God at a time where he felt he needed the Lord the most. This is when, when you read all the songs that David wrote, all the songs, this was a time where David really needed the Lord, and he was longing for some deliverance and rescue from his circumstance. But then when you hear those words, let it sink in for a moment. Let's read it again. Verse 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. Do you hear the heartache? Do you hear the confusion? Do you hear the desperation in his voice as he asks God? He's pouring out his heart and he's being very transparent. Why would it not just sound as, as that ability to like get us to cut to the chase with God? That's the hard questions. The same things that maybe other Christians go, oh, I can't believe this story. I can't believe this story. This But when circumstances go really, really hard, like Stephen David's life right here, he says, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance? Do you not hear my words of groaning? I cry all day. You don't answer. I cry all night, but I still can't rest. That's a deep pain. When, when all day long you're in torment and you notice that you're messed up and your mind is racing and you're trying to figure out what's going on in life and you think the one reprieve I may have in this is if I can actually go to sleep. And you can't sleep because it hurts so much. There's so many questions swirling in your head. These are the words of a broken man who simply cannot comprehend why God has abandoned him in the midst of his greatest suffering. In verse 3, he goes on to remind God of his past faithfulness in other people's lives. In verse 3, it says, But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you rescued them. They cried out to you, and were set free. They trusted in you, and were not disgraced. Don't we also do that when we're hurting? When things are going on, and you start kind of pointing around at other people's lives, and you start asking God, you know, there's other people who have suffered. Look what you did for them. You delivered them. You paid the mortgage. You killed, you know, the woman who was suffering with cancer. You did these things for other people, but for me, you didn't do it. You're not coming through. You're not listening to me. You don't hear me. That's why he says, 
God's world and see other people in this case to say, you show your faithfulness, you show your strength and your love for them, that you must for me, verse 6, but I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by people, everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. The words in verse 6 are the words that are the basis of this entire message. But I am a word in my life. Understand the word of those words. Of all the creatures that he could have used to include himself to at that moment, he chose a word. He didn't say, I'm a dog and not a man. He didn't say, I'm a fist and not a man. He said, I'm a worm and not a man. How helpless is a worm? Think of that for a moment. How helpless is a worm? Have you ever been attacked by a worm? Have you ever been bitten by a worm as you were trying to bait your hook? Have you ever seen a bird get a beat down by a worm as the bird goes in the ground and takes it from its home and eats it? Have you ever seen a worm do anything to defend itself? No. Because when it comes to vulnerability, they're about as vulnerable as a creature can get. David, as he's thinking of these, now remember, this is a man who writes. This is a man who's thoughtful. Read through the Psalms and you see he is a deep thinker. He's not just writing whatever he wants to write. He chooses specifically, I am a word and not a man. And I believe it's because he felt God, you have failed me. He failed to rise up and defend me. My enemies have responded by mocking me in my distress. They even used this kind of suffering in my life to prove that you have abandoned me. They're using this to show that you don't care about me. Think of how terrible that That would be terrible for any of us to hear. But think of how terrible that would be to hear for David the giant strength. David, the conqueror, they sing songs about his conquering abilities prior to this one. He was known for having God's favor. He was always, even if he was an underdog, everybody knew God was on his side. You know, he's sitting here saying, God, they're mocking me. You're not listening to me. Find when you found yourself completely helpless and wriggling around in the hands of an enemy. A time when God seemed to be ignoring your pleas for help. A time when your enemies seem to have free reign to do with you as they will. And there's no consequences. That is one of the hardest lessons I've been there a couple of times where I felt this way. I, I, 
I also think these these examples, because I'm sure they are continual in comparison to whatever David was going through. But nonetheless, these were difficult times in life. I remember when I first went into ministry and I was a youth pastor. I never was been part of a youth ministry before. Didn't grow up in the church. I had only known business. I was successful in business in Arizona. I was always very direct in the things that I would say and how I handled things. And I remember prior to being recalled into the art of communication as a pastor, I remember I there was a, a time where we were in the main sanctuary and there was this girl who came in and she reached at me and unfortunately I knew exactly what that smelled like. And she walked in the sanctuary and I smelled it a mile away. And the whole like pastor like the thing that keeps being made out of me. And I just wanted I just I was cool man and I blessed God and I walked up to it and without even speaking my words and I just I said something, I don't remember what it was, but it was just very direct and he said to the effect like how many points did you just come up? You know, something like that. As he stormed out of that sanctuary, I thought, well, I just did When the service ended, I had a mob of angry mothers waiting for me. She found a very sympathetic group of moms who just unloaded on me right in the corner in front of everyone. And it was hard because I felt like I did the right thing in defending the other kids that were there. At that time, I couldn't quite understand, you know, that I could handle it better. But I just remember that feeling of feeling so small. As a, as a pastor, just trying to figure out how to pastor and take care of the sheep and how to minister to people and, and you know, all these things. And I just remember how bad it was. And, it, and if that wasn't the worst part, then, like, the little youth ministry that I came into just got decimated. It was destroyed. Parents were pulling out their kids, and all of a sudden, this new youth pastor, you know, he's a fun guy, he's younger than that, he's great all this. And I remember sitting in my office, I just walked away from my career that I had done for a long time, and all of a sudden, all of this was unraveling, and I'm thinking, I'm probably just going to be fired. <laughs> I, I'm probably going to, that's a terrible thing to put on a resume, you know, I was a youth pastor that time. I mean, I, I didn't want that. And I remember how bad I felt, and I was just heartbroken because I wanted so bad to just get up there in the middle of the announcements because it's going on for weeks. And I wanted to get up there and defend myself. Like, hey, can I do announcements this week? But, like, defend myself, you know, in front of the whole church so they would hear what really happened and why I did what I did. I wanted my pastor to say something. I wanted him from the pulpit to, like, stand there and give his blessing and say, oh, yes, this is exactly what he did and this is why he did it. But he did it. And I remember just like, What's going on? I remember watching Jesus speak. I remember I felt like my heart was being ripped out, and I felt like the worst pain I've ever been in my life. I remember going into the office of my pastor and, and just kind of pouring out my heart with him, and he goes, What? He goes, If you want to defend yourself, the Lord will let you do it. Because what you do, you're going to do is go to the government to see what you can do. I remember as a young pastor, I just sat there and I was like, I've always 
felt like I had gone under the top trying to remedy the situation as a manager. I thought it came up with a good, okay, we're still going to take care of it. We're going to do this, this, this. And then the conversation turned because that wasn't enough. And then my it's like you're so frustrated because you felt like you were against someone else and you seemed like you were against the world. I wanted more. And then all of a sudden I was angry, you know, and I was getting burned in that situation. And, and it just made the whole situation worse. I didn't do anything inappropriate, but it was like, God, it was That was the first time that I was in that. Well, that wasn't good. Anyone have brought me to my corporate office and paid me to call the office before? This is not a good thing. What? What can I put here? It's like this situation that I'm defending myself. It's like I'm just a great guy. It's just a great guy. I didn't take care of it. I made the situation worse. The whole time he was talking to me, because I just love this guy. And it wasn't like I was changed, but I realized at that moment how hard it is to be a worm. I realized at that moment how hard it is to be in someone's hand that you think is mistreating you, doing something wrong, and you can't defend yourself, and you can't make it right, and you, there's nothing you can do to rectify the situation, and how hard it is to trust the Lord in the circumstance of this man, the word of God, and the word of God, and I took it, and I processed it, and I didn't sleep the whole night, I just processed, processed, processed the whole night. It was not that big of a deal, but it was to me, you know what I mean? Just emotionally, I was messed up with it. So, the next day, I called up, and, and I was talking to my boss, and I said, okay, so here's the deal, man. I said, I, I want to share this with you, because as you were sharing this thing, I really believe it's the Lord who is trying to teach me a lesson. And I went through this whole Bible study. I'm the type of guy when the Lord, when the Lord starts speaking to something in life, I want to share it with people. I want to talk to them about it and kind of let them know, you know, what's, what's going on. So I did the whole Bible study. I didn't this Bible study. You know, I'm like, you know, this is what happened in the book of Psalms and Psalms 22. And he's like, okay, don't share that with the rest of I'm like, okay, but I, I know God is trying to teach me to be a word. And I'm not a very good word. I'm not a good word. I, I, I want to fight. I want to be a word of peace. I want to be a word of words. I want to struggle. And he's kind of learning to control the situation, and I'm not good at it when it's not. He just says, hey, that's great. Be a word, but don't share that with the best of us. Okay, I said, call it. On the other line, the guy was like, yeah. He goes, after, he goes, I, I talked to your boss, and he goes, and then he told me what you do. I said, I And he goes, I, I really wanted to let Cameron know for what you did. Because for some reason, I felt really convicted. Because he started to tell me that he was talking about that because he realized that he was like, he said, you not just what you did, but he was the rest of the world. He goes, but I'm scared. He was upset about that. He just got confused. He did not accept that. He didn't have done it. He's already admitted that he's been wrong and mad at you because he didn't have done it. And he goes, I just, he goes, I started thinking about myself and I started thinking about my own business and because I realized I make these same mistakes too. I got compassionate about something and I felt like somebody was mistreating me and I turned it on. You know, and he goes, I started realizing that I've done the same thing too. And my wife tried to do the same thing too in that situation. He's going on and on and I'm like, yeah, this is something like the Lord is teaching me. Let me share this with you. I give him a whole word lesson. You know, I'm like, please don't fire me now. 
the whole thing to him, and he's like, man, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Because when he took this whole thing, and afterwards, I'm not just going to be like, man, Lord, I'm going to want to do this next time. I'm going to be able to do this because I had the opportunity to share this with other people that were coming up. And then I started with all of you. They all had more of us. And I was like, guys, we got to do words. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know if they got into it or not, but anyways, everybody in my life got the word less than your day. Okay? But, nobody likes going to one of Nobody signs up for that. There's no, like, table in the foyer where it's like, hey, hey, um, would you feel like God's going to abandon you? Would you like to sign up over here? You know, everyone wants to feel like God is abandoning them and you're being mistreated in life and everything's going wrong and you're going to think that God is not listening to your prayers? Sign up on this table over here. Nobody volunteers for that. Nobody wants that in their life. And yet it's something that God allows us to go I read my Bible, the more I see that there are times I'm going through the book of Exodus right now, I'm teaching through the book of Genesis, and reading through the book of Exodus. And what I learned from all these things is that people that God uses him calls them to go through wildernesses. He allows them to go through times where they're where they're humbled and where they're where they have to depend on the Lord just to give them the strength to endure the difficulties that they're facing, whether it's things that they cannot control or things that they can't. And there's consequences, and there's brokenness, and there's hurting, and all these things that happen. But I see it over and over and over in Scripture where God breaks a man or a woman, and He humbles them, and brings them into poverty sometimes through circumstances where He allows those circumstances to happen. And you feel like you're dying, and you feel like you're hurting, and you question God, and then He says, Great, now I can do it Now I can make you into the man or the woman that I want you to be, so that the market can go. Maybe a little bit more compassion than you would have thought prior to this. Maybe less arrogance in your life or less self-confidence or self-righteousness. And maybe now I can use you to a greater extent because we're going to allow you to go through these things. Sometimes this is exactly what God wants for our life. And we don't like that. Because we want, you know, this is where I want to stay on the TV and this is how it smells all the time. It says, God just wants to bless you, make your life great all the time. I want that in moments like this. I'm like, hey man, praise your brother. And then reality gets, and it's like, that's not how it works all the time. Sometimes there's deep pains and difficulties and sorrows that I cannot explain. Things that happen that I cannot control. And times where I hurt and I question God's will. He's doing something far greater than us through that circumstance. Kind of like the cross, isn't it? Remember, these words were prophetically said. David had no idea that one day the suffering Messiah that he didn't even know was going to exist. The suffering Messiah was never understood by Israel prior to this time. He had no idea that he would be writing the words of a suffering Messiah. He had no idea that the suffering Messiah would repeat the very words he wrote. He had no idea. But God has something 
We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.